Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, are you there? Can <laughs> yes, you hear me? I can. <laughs> Where are you? Is anyone alive out there? <laughs> can anyone hear me? Oh yeah, yes. what's that from? Titanic. Oh yes, it is. At the end yeah. of Titanic. I feel like they sampled it for something, but I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. Um, <laughs> now, are you? Do you know those? Are you one of these people that would eat something while you're going around the supermarket? No, gross. Are you I not? Think that's, that was a big uh, reaction. That was a bigger reaction. I, than I expected. I, absolutely not. What kind of a heathen eats in the supermarket? Absolutely like even not. Even as a child, your mum never let you have a little bag of Smith's crisps. Absolutely and, not. Firstly, really? we haven't paid for them. Secondly. No, what kind of a child or what kind of a parent can't control their child long enough to not eat in the supermarket? What kind of a child is that hungry that you've underfed them to the point where the only thing to, to placate them is to feed them in a supermarket? Yeah. No, hideous. It's terrible parenting. It's just hideous, absolutely hideous. Yeah, my parents weren't into it either, although I feel like maybe sometimes I ate like a little carrot or something on the way around, which, you know, oh, there's think, no packet. Well, okay, so <laughs> I think that's different. If there's the little, you yeah. know, free fruit for kids basket, that's fine Yeah, because yeah. it shuts kids up while they're walking around and, you know, whatever. Hmm. That little free fruit for kids basket I think is a great initiative. I also think, you know, back in the day, you know, if the butcher wanted to give you a little cocktail salve, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I don't think kids that open up chocolate bars or packets of chips or soft drink, I think it's gross. There's nothing I hate more than seeing like a three- or four-year-old child sitting in a trolley with its legs dangling and both its tiny grubby little fingers grasping at like – I don't know, a a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi bottle or a Lyft or a Solo (laughs) or something, and it's sort of drinking it, holding it right up to its head like it's some kind of sort of, you know (laughs) – sort of Neanderthal and then it pulls it away and it kind of goes <laughs> and it's got this ring around its mouth of like a rash where it's been having all this, you know, in all this sugary hideousness. Ugh, yeah. I can't abide it. Gross, gross. <laughs> well, this is all shame and because I had an idea for a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's come from lockdowns and, you know, we're I'm pretty much out of lockdown now. Um, I'm sure there'll be more in the future, though. Yeah, so let's keep this idea in mind. But you know, I've really been missing eating out. So, and the only place you're really allowed to go in lockdown is to the supermarket. So I thought maybe you know somehow you could sneak a little camping stove in there, 
and do a little, do up a little meal, sit there with your friends, and then just pay for everything on the way out. Isn't that basically <laughs> like a cafeteria at a shopping center, a supermarket? Yeah. Yeah, like they have but- it all through Europe. You've lived there. You know that. Like in France, I, I remember going to all the different places in France and they've got their own, like a mini sizzler. Kind yeah. Of thing. I guess this is more yes. just for lockdown places. So there's a, it's like a little mini workaround when you can't go to a, like any cafe or anything. Next time it happens. Yeah. You could just be patient for lockdown to end. Here's a thought. Yeah. Well, we're pretty, I mean, we're pretty much there now. <laughs> but. Yeah. I thought you'd be more into this idea, you know. No, it's very the social. Of, you can oh sit no. in the sit in the banana aisle next to the watermelons. <laughs> can you imagine people banging into you with their trolley and the just the annoyance of like people on the phone? You know, there's you know what I can't stand? Here's another thing. You've really got mm. me going now. When you go to the supermarket and there's those absolute fuckwits who walk around with their Bluetooth or their hands free and they or they've got their phone on speaker and they're holding it out oh, in front yeah. of their mouth and they're like you know, and they're talking about like their life and they're talking about how important things are or like other mums from school and they are just, and they've got a coffee in their hand and their hip has popped and they've kind of got their Lululemon or their Lorna Jane sort of knotted on the side or one of those awful PE, you know, athleisure brands from like one of the bloody influencers off Instagram. Right. And they're these, they think they're these yummy mummies. They've got huge lips that have been filled, filled with like spack <laughs> filler, like they got their pool stuck, their, their lips stuck in a pool drain as it was draining water. Yeah. And these women, they're just there and they're just talking in their phone and they just think that the most important person in that supermarket at that moment is themselves. They are so loud. They do not care about anybody else and they, they almost want other people to listen to them. Oh, you reckon? Yeah, and I just love walking behind them and like crunching bags of chips and like really like, <laughs> you know, excuse Trying me, to sabotage excuse their me important with my trolley, content. excuse me, you're in my way. You know, yeah. like I'm like, get the hell out of my way, bitch. I can't yeah. handle them. I hate them. I mean, so many phones now come with like head- headphones are in the packet or you must have so many pairs of headphones at home. I think that too, like on the train, if someone's playing their music out loud or if they're playing a game, and there's like a cha-ching, cha-ching, some, oh. some kind of noise happening every three seconds and I'll like tell a 40 you minute train ride. Yeah. I can't handle it. You take your cran- candy crush and shove it up your ass. I yeah. hate listening to people playing games. And those people in the, you know, there's these, these particular people that I'm referring to that do that in the, the supermarket, I'm just like, has some of that lip filler leaked into your head, into your ears? Like has it blocked up your ear cavities and you've got to have the phone on speakerphone because the only like sensory receptors that aren't ruined by the filler is like your nostrils and sound's <laughs> got to reverberate up through your sinuses for you to understand. It's yeah. so fucking Past annoying. Past the rhinoplasty. Yeah. It's so annoying. <laughs> so bad. Oh, my God. Kills me. <laughs> All right. You've started something now. I, I have, can't yeah. get over it. <laughs> I should hit the theme before. You should. You know, go, could be quick, a whole go. podcast about your friends in the supermarket. Totally. Oh, God. All right. Here we go. Hey, Well, here we are. We find ourselves on this latest episode of Fruity Alexia. I'm Alexander. And I'm Alex. Now, oh, sorry, you go. I was going to say, it's great. Great to be here with you again. Yeah. 
bright and early. <laughs> Ready to <laughs> rock and roll. Yeah. Do we have any news? We haven't talked about Belbos for, you know, at least 20 minutes probably. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening in the Belbos world? For anyone who doesn't know, we had this great idea of, you know, the one part of the body that no one's really looking out for is the elbow, I think, you know. And I was having a bit of trouble with dry elbows and I was using too much chapstick. And um, we had a great idea for something similar to a chapstick, but that is the size of your elbow and comes in lovely, fruity, delicious flavors. (laughs) (laughs) I think also Alex is underselling the amount of trouble it seemed like he was having with his elbows because Mm. it felt like every episode that we were recording, um, you've never seen anybody with such dry elbows. I mean, it's just terrifying wasn't it's it? ongoing too but i just thought you know i should put that to bed a little bit that's not <laughs> well look what i can tell you about the development of the belbos brand is that it mm. is underway and we are in discussions with several manufacturing facilities to okay, yeah to see if we can actually make something come to life yeah you've been already squirting it into the eyes of various small <laughs> mammals and <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah, yeah. pretty much <laughs> <laughs> Right, so we just need to, you know, just we'll keep the brand, the, you know, the brand awareness going. Just mention it every every few episodes, and then there should be some developments in the future. We hope, you know. <laughs> ah, yes, I can't wait. Yeah, you know, it'll be the must-have gift for Christmas. It will, yeah. Christmas 2027. 20, <laughs> <laughs> Put it in your diary, everybody. <laughs> so we're about 13 episodes now into pop. Oh, sorry. We're about 11 episodes now into Pop Stars Australia, and there's only about 13 all up, and then maybe a couple of bonus episodes. So, you know, I feel like series one of Fruity Alexia's in the um, home stretch. Um, and then I guess we've got to still cover Chantel Gate after that. Yes, absolutely. Do we have to cover it? That is yeah. just one of the things people are waiting for. Exactly, yeah. It feels like so long. I mean, so much has happened since they've released an album. Well, it was, they've... darling. It was 20 years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll have a look at the um, albums and bits and pieces like that after and probably do a bit of a, like, remember these tracks and, you know. Yeah, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we uh, wrap up our Series 1 of Fruity Alexia? Like. Oh look, I'm not sure. I mean, I think uh, we could let our let our listeners decide that. I think. I mean, I think Chantel Gate is so important to cover. Yeah, I think the albums yeah. and you know, um, maybe some of their solo stuff we can talk about at the same time. Um, and you know, I'd be curious if we did a little bit of a where are they now um, situation oh, on idea. some of those people. Yeah. Um, so that might require a little bit of legwork to, to actually suss yeah. out and find people. <laughs> I reckon the hardest person to get to get a hold of will actually be Dorothy Gutuba over at oh, Netflix yeah. in Kenya. She's <laughs> yeah. probably going to be harder than all of them. <laughs> She's got 12 layers of personal assistance she to get through beforehand. And security. <laughs> she lives in a high-fence mansion. I mean, I don't know. But yeah. we'll give it a red-hot go. Okay. Maybe we can fly over there and sit outside. Oh, like, camp can you outside. imagine? Yeah. <laughs> We're going like Fruity Alexia goes on safari. Goes to Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> You know, I feel like we've got to milk this series one of Pop Stars Australia before we get on to series two and Scandalous because I don't know how much more. Oh. <laughs> oh, listen, even Scandalous couldn't milk Scandalous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor Scandalous. Yeah. Oh, look, I can't. I kind of can't wait to get to it because I have, I have less of an affection for Scandalous, so I can't wait to, yeah, <laughs> to 
There are probably review. a few more shreds there to be torn off, I imagine. So. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm salivating at the prospect. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, we've got <laughs> we've got webcams going here because, you know, I'm in Sydney, you're in Brisbane. So <laughs> talking between interstate chat here and I can see even over this dubious internet connection the amount of saliva drooling <laughs> <laughs> from your, the size of your mouth. <laughs> if, you, if, if you hear my microphone crackling, it's because of the drool, the, yeah. dro- the, the salivating for shredding scandalous is dripping into my microphone. <laughs> right. So if we want to get to scandalous, I suppose we'd better get on with this episode. We should. Let's get on with it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, here we go. Okay, it's time for the publicity rounds and the band are faced with the challenges of meeting the public finally. Uh, they're ushered from a strange family meeting that I'm sure we'll get on to talking about shortly <laughs> <laughs> onto a host of radio studios, live events and eager autograph hunters. Um, and then they await the news of how their first single Poison has performed in the Australian charts in the final scene and we eventually, we do actually cross live, although it's now 20 years later, to Chris Moss, who will reveal whether or not the whole pop stars experiment has worked. Will he? <laughs> yeah, will he? Oh, well, will he? Well, we'll find out at the end of Fruity Alexia. Oh, will. <laughs> Fruity Alexia. So, yes, they kind of start in this random scene where uh, they seem to be given these weird frames with their traits written onto it, with, backed onto some sheet music. How, I mean, how do you describe these little plaques they're being handed out? I would describe them as something that I personally would not wish to receive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it sort of says, Alexander, Capricorn, 
and then yeah. has a bit of a blurb about the traits of I don't know Alexander and maybe mm. the traits of a Capricorn. Yeah. So says, what are your tra- what would your traits be? Good skincare routine. That's very kind of you. Yes, it would be that. It's not true yeah. at all, but I would totally take that as a compliment for yeah. those people who are only listening with their ears and can't see me. Mm. Um, beautiful skin, yes. No, what would it say? I don't know. Mine would probably dental say- Dental hygiene. <laughs> yeah, good dental hygiene. Yeah. Um, mine would probably say um, very clean. Mm. <laughs> very clean, very, very clean, um, and probably also, I don't know, what, what else would it say? Charismatic, <laughs> charming. Yeah. Um, well, um, keep in mind, I think this is written by Tiffany's parents, it seems, in the show. So it would well, they'd, be- they'd think I'm debonair and charming. Well, I was thinking, what would your parents write about you? <laughs> oh, that'd probably be very different. No, my mum my, my would write nice things about me. My dad would too, actually, but they'd be very differently written. My mum's, right, my yeah. mum would be writing hilarious things about me, I think. I, you know what would be funnier? If your mum wrote one about me. <laughs> Either with either of our mums writing stuff about either of us, yeah. I don't think we'd want it publicised on national Pretty television. Pretty much, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, but it's, it's, they must they're, be they're in, in weird Sydney, gifts. are they? Yeah. Yeah, I presume they're in Sydney and I think it's sort of a sort of a yeah. opportunity to kind of, you know, meet the parents and, you know, all the girls are meeting each other's parents. I guess they've been sort of lumped together, living together for a number of months. So yeah. it seems like they're out for lunch with Tiffany's mum and dad, I presume, and it looks like a present they've given them and framed it and it's – it looks like one of those things that's maybe come from, you know, an innovations catalogue. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't know if those those things even exist anymore, but I remember loving innovations catalogues and all the weird and wonderful, crazy shit that you could get from them. And, you know, <laughs> you would sort of write in on, on an order form, you know, the names, you know, Belinda spelled like this, Sally spelled like this, Sophie yeah. spelled like this. These are their dates of birth or whatever. And then they come back in the mail and then you chuck a dirty old frame from the reject shop on them and give them to the girls. That's what I think it probably was. Yeah. Did you get the feeling, Sophie? I mean, Sophie's looking at it. You know, when you're, you've been given a gift and you're just sort of staring at it, trying to think of something to say. <laughs> I I think you're giving Sophie too much credit. I think Sophie's mm. looking at it, going, "My name means all this." Oh right, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, because she's she's looking at it like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even think she's looking at like how to be polite about it because so far she hasn't been impolite. I think she's probably just a very polite person. But yeah, I think looking at the way she's looking at it, she's a bit like, "What the fuck is this?" Right. Yeah. And I think maybe <laughs> she's not exactly. Sophie may be one of the least in touch with that kind of airy fairy, nice hippy dippy stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas Tiffany, I think. Uh, is a bit more, and yeah. Katie probably is a bit more in touch with that hippie yeah, dippy yeah. sort of The dream stuff. catches hanging yeah, by the yeah. window. Oh, sort of dream stuff. catches wolves yeah. howling at the moon and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did love those T-shirts. Back, of course you did. Yeah, no, I didn't really. <laughs> I don't think I ever had one, but, you know. Tragique. Yeah, it was like a big moonlit scene on a T-shirt with a wolf howling at it and a Ugh. crystal ball or something. Anyway, <laughs> this I mean, this is mostly about the um, publicity rounds this episode. And yeah. I think the next... The next thing we see is them going into, you know, being ushered into one of the many uh, radio studios. And Tiffany sort of makes a bit of a throwaway comment. I have to smile all the time now because otherwise I look like a bitch. And (laughs) I sort of thought, yeah, it's true. You know, if there's cameras being pointed at you the whole time, you know, things can be taken out of context. And it's a bit like last time we were talking about, you know, you meeting David Beckham in the toilets. (laughs) And imagine if suddenly, you know, you could have gone and sold the story to, you know, some trashy British tabloid, you know. Um, so you really, as one of those people, you do have to be careful the whole time once you're out and amongst the public. You know? Yeah, I suppose so too. Like, you know, um, and also 
I mean, a bit different maybe if you're David Beckham and it's you're many years into your career, I suppose. But if you are a young woman and you're sort of thrust overnight in a way into mm. the public limelight, and you know, I don't think we'd ever seen anything to the scale of pop stars Australia that first yeah. series in this country. So I think you know, especially because Tiffany kind of came, you know, in 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 with such a huge bang, um, and I do think she got a bitch edit, and then yeah. I think perhaps she started to wise up by this point because. They are watching the show in real time. They mentioned later in the episode that they're watching the show on Sunday nights for the first time like yeah, everybody that's else. Right. So I think maybe she's seen herself in the preceding episodes and kind of gone, mm, hang on a minute. Yeah, they're the editing are, it to make yeah. me look bad. Yeah, Either people are doing the dirty on me or I'm doing the dirty on myself maybe. Yeah. So she's she's fairly, I think, aware of it. Yeah. And they're in um, – so they're getting interviews. I think they're back in Brisbane now and they're – do you know what the station is? I can't remember. Anyway. I'm not a clue. B105 or something. I haven't got a clue. Yeah, that's right. And um, the interview questions are like, now you all must oh, have boyfriends. Even, oh, this is bit, this bit's going to piss me off. Sorry, yeah. go for it. No, no, you go. You go. I feel like you've got some <laughs> thoughts. To- <laughs> Fuck me. This just kind of follows on from whatever else I've bitched and moaned about in the past, but they ask yeah. these hideous questions like, now you all must have some boyfriends. You know, do they miss mm. you? And then they all kind of answer. I think Sophie answers. And then- they sort of ask, you know, so how's living going together? There must be some bitching. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> if it was a house full of teenage boys living together, they would not ask, how's it going? Are you all bitching? Yeah. They just wouldn't ask. It's like if it was NSYNC or Backstreet Boys or whoever, they would not ask these questions. It's so weird. It's like you never ever hear, it's like in a movie set, you never ever hear of like a cat fight between Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth in a Marvel movie. No. It's always about two women, always, every single time. It's like two women can't work and be professionals. No, impossible. It can't happen. Yeah. And, and this inference that these, you know, five women can't live together. I'm not saying there wasn't bitching. There probably was some bitching. There were young women and they, they were thrust together and they didn't really know each other. That's the other thing to remember. Yeah, yeah. But those, those five women, you know, I don't know. I mean, they kind of were worked to the bone. I don't really imagine they'd have much time to yeah. bitch really. Yeah. And then, then there's that one last question that that woman asks, have you had your boob job yet? Yeah. What was that about? I can't even tell you. I levitated. <laughs> I have. I was furious. I mean, I have no problem with a boob job. Love a boob job. Give me a fake boob all day, every day. Love it. I'm cool with it. You do what you like to your body. When are you booked in? <laughs> you do what you like to your body. I don't have to do it to myself. I don't have to like it for me. Yeah. If you and I don't even have to like it for you, but just you go for it. You know. Um. You want to feel yourself full of stuff. Go the for worst. It. Like, there's no irony with it as well. It's no, like it's a quite a serious. Question direct question with that one as well it's like it's so weird it's, have yeah. you had your boob job yet but it's, it's assumed like, that it's going to happen yeah yeah it's so weird and i mean it's fine for her to have a boob job and i i presume in later photos you can see that perhaps there has been some um enhancement that has happened which is totally fine but i just thought asking directly it was so strange i mean these people are again young women new to this and the power disparity is really quite real. I mean, these girls are going around the country to the radio stations that are going to make or break them. Yeah. And in a way, they have no choice but to answer questions or be confronted by questions. And yeah. Tiffany Tiffany doesn't seem like she's a, you know, backwards and coming forwards and she's, she seems very confident and that's fantastic. But it's 
not about Tiffany and her confidence and comfortability with responding. It's about the professionalism and intention of asking. Hmm. I mean, in a and the convers- message it sends out as well is just totally. like a normalized thing of well, you know, if you want to look good, this is what you've got to do. Well, I think even more than that, it's like you're here to promote your music, and we're going to ask you about your boob job. Yeah. Well, not your boob job. What you were going to ask? Essentially, it's not a, what that question is. Actually, it's not asking about her boob job, her desire to have a boob job. What it is, it's a question about her self-esteem regarding her breast size that she references in a a previous episode. And that's what's quite weird about it is it's not about, oh, you've had so much work done, what's next, what's next, which, you know, you might ask somebody who's had a lot of work done today, Mm. like Madonna or whatever. Well, you wouldn't because she wouldn't answer it. But you know what I mean? If somebody's known for having a lot of work, cosmetic work done, you might ask, what's next for you? What have you had done? But in this case, This person, all we've seen so far is a young woman on television, a reality television show, saying she doesn't like how small her breasts are in a previous episode. So you're actually asking this question. In a way, you're preying on her insecurities and you're preying on her low self-esteem or her um, body dysmorphia around the size of her breasts. So I don't actually think, I don't think it just sets up, you know, the listener of the radio station to go, "Mm, well, I need big boobs to be sexy. What it sets up is, hmm, people are going to challenge me on what I feel lowest about. Yeah. And I think that's what's fucked up about because people people questioning you on your trauma, I mean, God, we live in a time now where everybody talks about their trauma, 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 trauma. Everybody share your trauma, can't wait. Um, but at that time, 20 years ago, um, you know, I still don't think it was appropriate. I, I don't know that it would be appropriate now to ask either, to be perfectly honest, even yeah. though we are a bit more emotionally raw with our trauma. I was thinking at the at the time, like there are a lot of things that we're sort of reframing going, oh, well, that's 20 years ago and that was a bit normalised. But actually with that one, I sort of thought if someone said that at that time, I'd probably have gone, I would have been a bit shocked as well, I think, and gone, is that really appropriate? I don't know. Well, I don't think that was appropriate <laughs> then and I don't think it's appropriate now. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine why that person thought that was appropriate to ask. Um, And, you know, Tiffany plays it, you know, laughs it off and all that kind of thing. But, again, like I said, she doesn't really have a choice. Even if she doesn't want to respond, she has to. Yeah, because Warner's Warner's there over her shoulder going, you've got to sell this single, you know. That's right. There's these (laughs) these record execs leering around, you know, to kind of say, well, you've you've got to sell this record, make it number one, so shut up and put up. And that's quite fucked really. But that's Mm. sort of the music industry generally. I think if you were to speak to any professional musician that's signed to a major record label, they would all tell you that the going-ons are so shady and so fucked up. Right, yeah, yeah. Now, um, you recognise one of the radio hosts at that one, and clearly Sophie did too, because weirdly she's getting someone's autograph. Is that right? Yeah. And I didn't pick this one up, but you told me this before we started recording. (laughs) I didn't know this at the time, but I know it now. Right, Um, yeah. So the guy that Sophie is getting an autograph from is Jamie Dunn, I think, who who at the time anyway, he was Agro, the puppet. Wow. So I don't know if he was aggro at that exact time, but his his claim to fame was being aggro for most of aggro's career until, oh, hang on. Rec- until recently. So there were there was more than one person doing aggro. Now there's someone completely different. I think aggro is owned by a completely different in- company, an entertainment really? company now. Yeah, and he doesn't have anything to do with it. Huh. The ice creams. <laughs> I think I think Agro was owned. I might be wrong. I'm probably going to talk at my ass here, but I think um, Agro was owned by Channel Seven for a while, or maybe Channel Seven Queensland or something. Right. And um, I think it was 
through Jamie Dunn. It was sort of done and, and produced or something. And then it was um, he was Agro, like the actual puppet, and he he would go and do comedy tours and take Agro around. And you know, I mean, Agro is a whole nother thing altogether. Who mm. you know, I think as Australians, we kind of have great affection for. But really, when you think about how lecherous and leery and gross Agro was to all of his female co-hosts. You kind of look back on that was now he? and kind of, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look back on the way that he spoke to and spoke about, you know, Anne-Marie Bigger and um, Teresa Livingstone and all these other people. Yeah. Um, I don't really just- remember. And I think maybe my mum didn't let us watch Agro, maybe. Oh, well, that was very smart yeah. of her, probably. <laughs> yeah, she's very cluey. She's probably she's listening to smart woman. <laughs> <laughs> there is one radio. I think it's four BC or something, and they go in and you know one of them's playing with the microphone, and she sort of makes a bit of a joke about that. But then she actually does start asking a normal question, and I sort of thought, okay, it's not all, it's not all horrible like lecherous questions. And I think perhaps maybe this is the only one where it's just a woman there doing the interview as well. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be the only one with a woman doing I don't know if that's just a coincidence. But, <laughs> but also, dare I say it, that, that studio looked a little more serious and dry. Right, yeah, yeah. It looked a little more like an ABC studio than necessarily yeah. like one of the big commercial stations. And actually I looked at the logo and because it's 4BC, like the 4 does look a lot like an A and I wonder if they were trying to like, you know, ride on the coattails. Oh, it's very possible. Yeah. Yeah, very possible. <laughs> now the exciting bit, I guess, for all of us is when we go to, um, is it Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers Movie World. Yeah. Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Very. Oh, that's right. Remember oh, that? I used to get so excited. I mean, I never went, but, you know, at the cinema – you know, Village Cinema in Hobart. Yes. They always used to play an ad for it and, and it just looked like the, the most exciting thing, like all the stuntmen and, you know, Sylvester. It and- did. <laughs> it was so cool and they did all the, like, the, they had all, like, the different people in their promo outfits and stuff and, and then the um, the big voiceover was um, Warner Brothers Movie World, Hollywood on the Gold Coast. And it was so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, of course, Sophie used to play Marilyn Monroe there and we get a bit of a peek in into her, you know, past experiences, Marilyn, and she takes us on a tour of the stage and we get to see a little costume that she used to wear. <laughs> and we get to see where she sort of stands in the, where she, she sort of stands in the cafe and sings yeah. to people while they're having their lunch. And yeah. there's a little bit of a video that they play. Somebody's sort of camcorder, you know, video cameras sort of recorded playing her singing, I don't know, what is it? Diamonds are a girl's best friend? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, um, she does it's quite very fun, well. Really. Yeah. yeah. It's quite fun. And it's quite, well, I think actually Sophie, I might be wrong with this, but I think Sophie went after Bardot when they folded. I think she actually played Marilyn Monroe in an American telly movie oh, about, right. I think it was called The Mystery of Natalie Wood. And it was about Natalie Wood. And right, yeah. um, Sophie played the Marilyn character briefly. Okay. I think it was a little bit of a fleeting moment. But, um, and what was The Mystery of Natalie Wood? You don't know what happened to Natalie Wood? No. She was in West Side Story, right? Among many other things, right, Rebel Without yeah. Cause, West Side Story, um, Gypsy, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, she died mysteriously um, on mm. a boat with um, her husband, Robert Wagner, who you would know from the Austin Powers movies. Oh, I was going to say Austin Powers is a joke thinking no, it was you know, like he's, an he's the with, guy with the eye right. <laughs> Yeah, number two. And, number two. And yeah. uh, also I think it's Dennis Hopper. I think it's Dennis Hopper's the other person that's on the boat with her. Oh, so you know Dennis Hopper is in um, No, they didn't die. Because they didn't die because how did they die in the 80s? I'll probably (laughs) let that detail out. Anyway, she died in the 80s. Basically what happens is they go out in the boat. Her Natalie Wood, her husband Robert Wagner, and I think Dennis Hopper. I could be wrong if it's not Dennis Hopper. It could be John Voigt. It could be somebody. Anyway, somebody of that time. Um, And they go out on the boat and 
Natalie would goes missing. Oh. And they basically they interview Robert Wagner, they interview whoever the other person is and all the crew and everybody else. Natalie would apparently there was some kind of fight that was overheard. Uh, apparently she was drunk. Apparently she was afraid of um, the water, afraid of the open water. Oh, right. So, you know, some people have tried to say, oh, well, she, she, she was furious with Robert, so she tried to climb off the boat and, you know, swim back to the shore or... I mean, there was a dinghy, a little sort of, you know, whatever they're called, like a little runabout boat that had, yeah. you know, sort of I think it had become detached or something and they were like, oh, well, maybe she's fallen in trying to to leave the boat herself or whatever. And, but the big mystery is that, you know, something happened on that boat and right. to her and that then it was all faked. Everything was faked. Right. And that's the great mystery of Natalie Wood. Well, that sounds like it would make a good movie or series. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Probably why they've done it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Sorry, we digress. We, we digress. digress to that, yeah. So it's great seeing Sophie in her, on her home turf, you know. It is. It is great. Yeah. And they go to another, um, you know, more radio interviews, more radio interviews, and this person sort of goes, all this is going to end soon. And I guess he's sort of talking about the TV series. <laughs> um. Because he sort of goes, you know, uh, you know, you can just concentrate on the music. But I felt like I felt a bit of awkwardness in the room when he goes, "All oh, this is going to end soon," and then he has to qualify it with, you know, I mean, the TV show and the, <laughs> yeah. Because I think in everyone's hearts, maybe they feel that part of the success is tied in with the TV show because they haven't even, as Katie points out, I think in this interview, you know, it's very rare for a band to have had this much hype before they even release one song. So. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that's fair, and that probably does feel quite ominous in the moment for those people, for the record label, and for the women in the band. And I guess. It's it's quite fair because it's really never been done before. I mean, b- bands had been on television before. I mean, the Monkees came from a TV show and, mm. you know, Donny Osmond and even, you know, the early work of the Jackson 5, you know, was documented on television early on. Right. Um, and I think at around this time in pop culture in around 2000, S Club 7 was even on a show, you know, that's how they were kind of formed. So I yeah, think right. it had been done, but certainly not in Australia and certainly not to this point, um, to this degree. And I think... You know, by this point, you think about all the money that's been sunk into this by the label. Yeah. And, and you know, they've obviously already bought all the records, all the songs. They've bought all of the, the producers in. They've paid for everything, done all the production, done all this stuff. It's really now on the girls to sell it, sell it as a concept, sell it as a product. And it's how charming or not they are in interviews. And I guess when they're confronted with questions like, are you afraid about it all ending soon? Yeah. Well, Katie handles it pretty professionally I think and I think it's the same interviewer possibly that asks um you know do you have to do you hate having to repeat everything for the cameras if they miss something good because it's a reality show oh yeah I think it's the same person maybe it's not somebody else in the episode but um I thought that was an interesting question because it was early on so early on in reality television that I don't think that really kind of crossed our minds whereas now we know that when you watch shows like The Bachelor or Married at First Sight or whatever yeah. If you watch those shows. Take five, you know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we need you to do it again. We need need you to do it this way. And sorry, a camera didn't quite catch it. And, you know, they're kind of fed they're fed pointers and they're fed information on what to say. Yeah. Um, or how to say it differently. You know, oh, we just need to give it to you in a sound bite, you know. Um you, you sorry, we need you to give it to us in a sound bite, you know. We're gonna use it for the promo, you know, you'll get extra three time three seconds of airtime if we do it like this. That kind of a thing. We were all quite naive about this, I think. And maybe I still Very. am. Like there was a thing 
I was watching a couple of years ago called uh, Terrace House, this Japanese series. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, you know, all this is, you know, it's so natural and they're just capturing, you know, what's going on. And, of course, like 20 years later of reality TV, I should have known. And there was this whole, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much here because this whole horrible thing um, finished off the show where one of them was getting teased on social media quite badly. But still, even 20 years later, I was there going, they're not editing this to make everyone have a storyline and stuff, you know, it's very natural and it's just showing people in a house. And then when all the, you know, the horrible stuff came out in the media, clearly the producers had been pushing this um, particular contestant in one direction to make her, you know, a certain way in front of the cameras. And, you know, she wasn't really like that in real life. And still I was just there going, no, this is actually what's happening in front of the cameras and it's, there's no scripts or characters. And, you know, <laughs> well, I think it's, it's actually really interesting because there's, I I think about this a lot actually like even in like you know journalism and you know um a current affairs news and stuff you know mm. they stories and interviews are manipulated and edited in certain ways yeah I I I think editing things is quite commonplace and it is at the end of the day you know television that's that's the truth of it reality is not really reality and there's these girls on SBS I think I forget their names and I forget the show and they do a program um, talking about reality television I only know it because it came up on my Facebook as like a little quick video and they were interviewing um, talking to a girl called Abby Chatfield who was on The Bachelor um, okay again, bell. no so I don't watch The Bachelor so I don't know this girl so I don't know the narrative but the these these women were sort of saying the presenters of this show were saying that they Abby Chatfield got the villain edit of the, of the bachelor that year. And, and Abby sort of was sitting there and they asked Abby to retell them exactly what happened in real time. And she retold it. And it was very different to what the channel 10 producers of the the bachelor had aired. And um, to that point, um, the presenters of this program re-edited it to give Abby a different narrative. So they re-edited the available footage from the show and any of her voiceovers from bits and pieces to sort of give her a different ending. Yeah. And it was quite cool to see. Um, yeah, gotcha. And so I think, you know, when you're watching reality television, it's so easy to think that these are just, this is just how it it's is. It's what's but happening in real It's really life, yeah. not at all. No. And, you know, part of it is, you know, everyone's always like, oh, the editing and the producers. But, you know, if no one was watching it, then, uh, you know, it wouldn't have to happen that way. I think it's like escalation in a way where if you – if you just put out reality, you know, that would be actually super boring and no so one would boring. no one would look well, at it. <laughs> I think also, you know, in the, the because Pop Stars was the early days of reality television, I think the problem with this particular show is um, you know, it's in a way it's a blend of what we now have as music talent variety television, yeah. reality television, and then, you know, where we've got like, you know, personality led and character led reality television. So, you know, I what I mean by that is, you know, we've got the voice and X Factor and you know, Australia yeah. talents and whatever. So you think you can dance, search for a supermodel, whatever, that are, you know, in theory kind of talent or skills-based, you know, glow up or whatever. Those shows on Netflix, yep. they're skills-based. And then you've got personality-led and character-led reality like The Bachelor, Married at First Sight, Love Island, whatever, all those different shows. You can kind of, in this early series of like pop stars, you can kind of see that they don't really know what they're doing, what it is. I mean, really it's, they're just... I've said this before, they are just five singers who auditioned for a band and they got in and it's yeah. filmed. And you can see maybe with some of the editing of Tiffany and some of the way that she's picked up on it. I mean, Tiffany is shown in a pretty shitty light. Sophie is shown in a pretty great light. Mm. I'm not saying that that's 
you know, that Sophie deserved the great light. And I'm not saying that Tiffany didn't deserve the shitty light, although I don't think she did. But I'm just saying, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, they don't seem to That's really know. That's how it's know. panned out, yeah. It is how it's panned out. And I don't think mm. they really, and, you know, Katie's getting a certain edit and Belinda's barely getting an edit, you yeah. know, and, and Sally's somewhat getting a prudish edit. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, they don't really know what they're doing. And I think in this early day, you can kind of see that they're, just kind of fumbling their way through like a bit of personality-led editing and a bit of talent-led editing. Does that make sense? It does, yeah, yeah. It's a very good point, you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes Thank you. I'm surprised. I'm like, is this the same Alexander that I'm talking to? <laughs> oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I, I think just quickly on that, you know, you can see that this is there's a really – the point I've made is I think, you know, you can see that these people are just musicians, well, you know, in advert essentially they're musicians, right? Yeah, yeah. And then today, for example, you'll have people that will do like Kira Maguire who will do The Bachelor and then she'll do Love Island and then Bachelor in Paradise or whatever, all these different shows. Hmm. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here and all this other stuff. Yeah, Abby Chatfield also off The Bachelor and all these other people. And they're personality-led, they're character-led, and they go on to do other reality shows based on their personality yeah. and their character. And that's fine. <laughs> that's no, no, no hard oh, no, feelings no. to them. Yeah. Good luck to them. But it's a totally different thing because you sign up knowing that what you're bringing is your sass, your humor, your you're bringing your demureness, you're bringing your, you know, whatever you're bringing, right? You're bringing mm. your own self, your own shtick. But if you're doing a reality show about music, you're bringing your talent in yeah. theory, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, nobody on The Voice or X Factor ever gets some kind of scandalous ever, uh, sorry, some, some kind of scandalous <laughs> Yeah. Um, edit. <laughs> Other than scandalous. <laughs> Other than scandalous. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, speaking of editing and Belinda, she she is getting a bit of a, like, she's a bit of the um, party pooper maybe. Yeah, she's getting a <laughs> yeah. bit of a, a, she's getting a bit of a, like a, she's the bore edit. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think it is. I can't imagine it would be. No, it's. I mean, to me, it seems like she she just wants to be there and work and get on with it and you yeah, know make I something so good too. out of it and yeah. Um, but we the next time we see her is sort of in the next scene and she's terrified of flying apparently and they sort of make a bit of a deal of her, you know, about to puke up in the seat and then, um, they let her you know go into the cockpit and the the pilots sort of show you know. <laughs> yeah, show I thought, her, I thought that was like quite. That was probably the first time we've seen some kind of personal kind of thing about Belinda maybe? Yeah, a bit of, um, yeah, what's it called? Uh, light and dark. Yeah, a bit of light and dark, a bit of tone, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but then I love it, they sort of cut from that storyline with Belinda to Sophie and there's a guy behind oh. her who's like kicking her chair. I love it. And she's like whispering to the camera and, yeah. you know, as if close... the camera, It was as if the person couldn't hear. I know, yeah. I know. As if the person, A, couldn't hear her talking and, yeah. B, wasn't actually aware that a huge camera, I mean, cameras were massive back in the day. Yeah. The camera was like <laughs> filming, pointing towards their direction. I mean, it was so, it's so funny because she's like so cheeky and laughing about yeah. it. She's there sort of going... The guy behind me hates me. Look, every time I put my chair back a little bit, he kicks me. Do you want me to do it? Do you want yeah. me to show you? Yeah, as if, <laughs> as if he can't hear. It. Yeah. <laughs> and then he does it and she goes, see, four times he's done it, four times. <laughs> and she's, she, it's really quite funny and quite cute. But, again, it's a different edit to Belinda. Yeah. And to everybody else, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And um, so, you know, obviously flying all around the country. They go to yeah, Fox yeah. FM, which I'm assuming, is that Melbourne? I can't I remember. I presume it's Melbourne. Yeah. And... They, I didn't realize, but one thing they do is perform for the station live, which doesn't seem to be for re- 
to be recorded. It's just to sort of get the people within the station excited about the release of the single, I reckon. And so they, you know, they sing a little clip of Poison. And for Fox FM, there's that awkward clap where it seems like the song's finished and then everyone starts <laughs> clapping and they've still got like two more bars so of music awkward. to go. <laughs> and also I think what's weird about yeah. that is the, the voiceover guy goes, you know, and now the girl, something like, you know, and now the girls have to prove to the people that they can actually sing. And I was thinking to myself, again, with this narrator, hmm. who wrote this script? The only reason these women are on this show is because they can sing. They yeah. won auditions. They literally beat thousands of people in auditions. <laughs> because they can it's sing. Like, that's yeah. right, because they <laughs> yeah. can sing. It's not because they were picked because they were. They may have been picked partly because they were pretty. They may have been picked partly because they could dance. They may have been picked partly because of their change and their difference in their appearances and looks and aesthetic to each other. But primarily they were picked because they could sing. Yeah. This is what is so strange. Oh, if there's one thing we've themselves. seen every episode, it's them singing. Right. <laughs> really it's well. So, it's like, <laughs> we know they can sing. And when they sing live in that room for those people in that, that radio station, I'm like, I can't imagine big pop acts overseas. I can't imagine, you know, Little Mix or One Direction or any of those people who's, who, you know, Girls Aloud, any of those people that came from... Um, reality shows, I can't imagine them actually sitting in the, standing in the boardroom of a studio re-auditioning for people to play their music. It's weird, right? Well, I mean, one thing I thought was how did they have the time? Like I spent a bit of time working at a radio station and to have the time to sit down and listen to a private recital or something, you know, you'd want to have the microphones on yeah, <laughs> and that would be it and you'd be ready for the next one. <laughs> well, I, I think it's that radio station with a lady on the front desk. Mm. There's sort of a lady on the front desk. She looks very much like a secretary of the day, you know, a yeah. director of first impressions, if you like, as a right. reception. And she sort of leans into some kind of PA microphone and she says, come to the conference room. Bardo are about to perform live. Come to the conference That's room. That's right, yeah. And it's like, lol, she's living for this moment, being the one, Bardo are here. Come to the conference room. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> she's loving it so much because, you know, secretly that lady wished she was on air on the radio, but she will take the reception job. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> she will take the reception job, but in that moment she gets to tell all those radio producers and presenters, Bardo are here. They're in the reception. They're in the conference room. Come to the conference room. She's like, I'm on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they do a great job. I love they hearing do. them sing at acapella. Me um, too. Me too. Yeah. And so uh, Sally does do a bit of, you don't see much of her being herself, I guess, but she often seems to be the one talking to the camera and giving a bit of a yes. narrative. And she's sort of there, you know, going, you know, she comes out of the radio station. She's like, oh, you know, we've done this interview, that interview. We've did an interview with Guido. Did you remember Guido Hatzes? I have no idea who this person is. <laughs> okay. When she said it, I was like, who the fuck is Guido? Yeah. Well, I think he was like this comedy guy at the time and it was this really broad sort of alpha male Greek character um, who I'd assumed he was Greek at the time, but I think he's got some like Irish name like Tony something. I can't remember. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's this like Irish-Australian guy who was doing this really quite – retrospectively um, stereotypical character and he was winning all these comedy awards. I don't think you'd get away with it now. I think like the whole Chris Lilly business where he was, you know, painting his face certain colours. Mm. Um, everyone sort of reassessed all this kind of thing. So I wonder if Guido Hatzis would be allowed today. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I as I said, look, I can't really comment because I don't know who it yeah. is, but I don't. from what you said, I don't imagine he would be. Right. Yeah, yeah. I need to send you some of it. I think you would remember it. Like he was, yeah, it was one of those people. It was sort of like in the same vein as like, you know, Tony Martin, Mick Malloy kind of. Would I like um, it or hate it? I'd hate it. Uh, 
look at the time, like I'm sure we all probably would have enjoyed it, but, you know, retrospectively, I think, you know, there was a certain amount of irony in how broad the character was. And I think at this point, everyone sort of realizes that, you know, irony is a bit of a privilege when you're sending up other people's cultures, maybe. Like Chris Lilly, he was on the ABC, for instance, and he was, you know, there's with We Can Be Heroes, he was he was playing a Chinese character who then yeah. dressed up at the end of um, Indigenous character. So yes. he was doing like a double Ricky layer. Wong. And, you know, at the time everyone um, in my circle certainly thought it was hilarious, but sort of because of the irony of it, of like look at what I'm getting away with on national TV. Um, but, you know, looking back now you sort of go, yeah, of course that was terribly offensive to a whole bunch of people, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I yeah. think um I think it's that whole thing with comedy um punching up and punching down. Yeah. And um and I think I initially when We Can Be Heroes and the Chris Lilly stuff came out, I was horrified. Right. I yeah, took yeah. it I took I took myself and it very seriously. And anybody that watched it I was furious about. And then I kind of thought, well, okay, well, chill out, Alexander, and I watched it and I was like, oh, it's actually really funny, and yeah, he's really funny, and he's actually brilliant, a great character actor, and brilliant, really. And the, like, there's often re- a really heartfelt story at, un, right underneath it. So I like, I feel like if he pulled away some of the, you know, more shocking, like the elements that are just there to be shocking, uh, there's something you know interesting under there. But yeah, I do think there's a fine line in with the tone and, and some of the points that he, especially in that more subsequent series, the more recent one. Um, whatever it was called, Weirdos or whatever. Yeah, the Netflix one, yeah. Yeah, the Netflix one. I think there there were probably some lines that were crossed potentially, um, but not – not. I wasn't outraged by it, but also I, it's easy for us to sit here, two white yeah. men, talking about, oh, I don't know about the irony. You know, the irony in culture, a different people's culture, but then again, we're not differently cultured, are we? We're not – No, no, not that's right. We're not people from Tonga who have been – you know, we're not watching a white guy paint their face to look like me and then appropriate stereotypes about young Tongan, Tongan men, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. Or like um, the differently abled kid who goes to um, England to live on a estate. Yeah, that's right. He's like a lord or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. Like, I think Chris Lilly is very, very clever and very talented, but I just, uh, yeah, and I think things like the Guido thing, I don't know. It's different if you yeah. are like part of a, you know, you're sending up your own culture, you know, like um, Mar- Mary Custis does Effie so well. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, and she, that, she, she did that for, you know, she did that for, you know, the purposes of kind of taking back ownership of the yeah, sort of like the whole that, Nick Giannopoulos yeah, kind of stage yeah. as well. And I yeah. think that's really brilliant and smart and, and so yeah. well done. Because they she sort does, of reclaimed all the yes. racist slurs for their totally. own. And she, and, she does yeah. it. She does it. Nick Giannopoulos does it. You know, uh, but, you know, the character of Effie, you can't help but love her because it's it's a le- even though it's a character, you know it's a character. It's such a well-realised yeah. kind of lean into everything that we've been taught to think about those people. Yeah. And, and that's what makes it funny because you're laughing with them. Yeah. You're not laughing necessarily at them. And I think Guido was, I thought at the time that he was sort of that same kind of person, but right. he's called like Tony, I wish I could remember his last name, Tony Sinclair, Tony Mulclair or something, and mm. yeah, born no. in Ireland or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's all a bit awkward to think back at, you know, some of those things. But, For sure. Uh, you know, it's great to be able to learn from our past. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I've thrown out all my Chris Lilly DVDs since. Anyway, <laughs> um, they're getting clothes given to them. Now, this is something you sort of remembered. Yes. 
Yeah. I'm pleased. So this we're happened. back on the band now, by the way. Yes, so Bardo, we've gone back to Bardo. Yeah, they're in, <laughs> it's it's not Effie and Nick Giannopoulos. They're getting fitted for suits. It's <laughs> um, yeah, Bardo are at Bardo headquarters. Is that yeah, right? that's right. So this is what hmm. I remembered, and I thought perhaps was cut from the previous episode. I think it must have been because here we are having them talking to the owners and creators of Bardo. I think I mentioned in another episode of Fruity Alexia that you know. They wanted the, the girls wanted the name Bardo, but the brand already existed. So they struck a deal that they could, you know, be outfitted, you know, exclusively by Bardo for their mm. concerts or whatever, and blah blah blah. I mean, what was kind of weird about it is, I don't think you actually, I don't think name registrations work like that. <laughs> but anyway, oh, right. like yeah, I don't know I'm anything pretty about sure it. If you're registering your name, your business name for the purposes of, like, for example, the Bardo girls, there was a different name business name registration. Hmm. That was called something like you know five chicks singing LL, oh. a PLPTY or oh, right, five okay. five girls singing PTY or I've made it up, but it's something like that basically. Yeah, but it was you know trading as Bardo. So actually, I don't know that it was necessary except for an advertising shtick. And okay. I thought it was interesting because they're kind of in this you know warehouse distribution center kind of thing for Bardo, which at that point was a new brand and early days of its sort of. Um, success and the women are kind of dressing them all and presenting all the different outfits and they're saying oh we can put some diamantes on the legs here for Belinda's pants oh we're going to cover them in diamantes and you know Tiffany's trying on the top and she's got a couple of different cowboy hats this is my blue hat this is my pink hat and Mm. you know Katie is not super thrilled um, because she's wearing all black yeah Um, and you know she says to the camera when have you ever seen me in all black which is totally fair yeah, because it's a very good have. point. Yeah, um, <laughs> and they the, the lady from Bardo or whoever she is makes a comment to the camera of, you know, everyone seems pretty happy except for Katie. You know, she's, you know, kind of got this cyber chick sort of look, and yeah, you know, it's really which hard is such for a us. like word of the time, like cyber, Wasn't it cyber. Yeah, you know, I'm going um, into cyberspace. You know, <laughs> she, she sort of says something like. We've got a, you know, it's a bit hard for us to get our head around Katie's sort of cyber chick look. You know, we're all about glamour and being sexy and, you know, that's why we really love Tiffany and Sophie. Oh, again, I <laughs> levitated. Can I just ask, when you're levitating, because like in a cartoon when someone's angry, um, steam comes out their ears or their yep. nose maybe. So for you to be levitating when you're angry, where's the steam coming out of? <laughs> My ass. <laughs> Great. Next question. <laughs> I was so angry. I was like, firstly, I hate the inference that a cyber chick, and also I can't even be bothered getting into the stupidity of that moniker, but anyway, mm. that, that that a cyber chick can't be sexy or glamorous. I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, you, you, Katie Underwood in that indigo blue patent you know, pleather cat suit in the Poison video, she's sexy. With a blue lipstick, she's sexy. Mm. That's a sexy, glamorous cyber chick. Yeah. You know, it's like these two women, their perception of sexy is, you know, this cowboy, this sort of, you know, appropriated cowboy look on Tiffany or this sort of, you know, laced up the front boob tube, you know, um, bodaciousness that they're sort of tr- way they're trying to dress Sophie. It's like, okay, so that's your perception of sexy, but not actually everyone's and not yeah. actually everyone's perception of glamour. It's really, really weird. And I mean, I don't disagree that Katie's look and aesthetic has that kind of very time, timely, relevant, you know, cybery, um, new millennium kind of, you know, Jennifer Lopez waiting for tonight, 
you know, green laser <laughs> kind of vibe. And that's great and that's fine to lean into, but it doesn't make it not glamorous and it doesn't make it not sexy and it doesn't make – it may make her more of a challenge, but you would have thought as a creative person you would lean into that creative challenge, right? Yeah. And is like, the Bardo brand still like that these days? Is it very glamorous and or is not, it just sort of oh, shopping centre uh, gold, gold chains you, in the <laughs> Yeah, I think it depends on who you ask. Okay, I yeah. went through a bit of a rebrand many years ago and it's 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 had a couple actually since since Pop Stars and um it is basically now, you know, it's sort of a cotton on or a sports girl or whatever. Okay. Not exactly cotton on, maybe more like a sports girl. You know, it's I wouldn't say it's glamorous. I think it's probably fine for certain occasions and certain meets yeah, certain right. needs yeah. of certain young people. But I don't okay. think it's glamorous. Yeah. It's probably like if I if they Made clothes in my size, I'd probably be shopping there. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> sure, if a, if a leopard print camisole top is your thing, sure. Made of, you know, polyurethane, you know, fibres, it's going to set on fire as soon as you stand near an open flame, sure. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I guess we're not going to get sponsored by Bardo, are we? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> um, it's good to see Michael Napoli is sort of, I feel like he's, um, at his wit's end almost again in this episode and he's just whinging about the schedule the whole time. Yeah. And I get the feeling he's sort of, you know, the power dynamic there has shifted a bit and now that the band have a bit of, you know, our power over him a little bit because they can make demands because he sort of goes, oh, thankfully all the girls are happy, you know, which makes me happy, you know. So I feel like he's now, you know, like the reality of it's all hit for him and he's sort of <laughs> having to back down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, partly. I, I agree with you. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. It seems like he's sort of in the motions now of this kind of radio press tour. You know, I'm just, I'm part of the machine now. Off I go. Yeah. And he has to bow to their every whim and, you know, if one of them has to stop Pretty to go to the much. toilet, he's got to stop Pretty the much. whole van, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and they must go to Adelaide next because I think Katie grew up in Adelaide, even though she was in Melbourne when she auditioned. And they go to her old primary school, I think. And meet up with her old, like, teacher or yeah. principal. Yeah, that's quite cute. I mean, I don't know how much publicity they're going to get from going to a primary school. I mean, you know, fans for the future maybe. Because um, it's... Nah, it's not about that. It's that, yeah. that's, that is just totally a press stunt. Yeah, it's giving back, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's not even giving back. It's not even for the graciousness of that principal begging right. her to bring them. Yeah. It's more about... It's more Some about... Some headlines. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> what I do love is they go into the school hall where all the children are gathered and the noise of the kids screaming is like an air raid siren. <laughs> yes, so high-pitched. Yeah. It is, isn't it? And it's just, I don't know how... Like, I could never be a primary school teacher if that's what happens at a primary school. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Yeah, it's pretty I can't imagine you deal very well with it either. No, I'd have to walk in there screaming at them, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, you know, they do a wonderful job singing Poison to the, you know, kindergarten to year sixes and they start doing that out-of-time clap that I love at every concert, you know, (laughs) where where the person makes them sort of clap along and then after about three beats the whole crowd is out of time and somehow the musicians manage to keep the... Keep the beat going. I don't know how they do it. It must be so distracting. <laughs> it would annoy the shit out of me if I were trying yeah. to sing and you were hearing this out-of-time clap. Oh, fuck, it's annoying. Yeah. I, you know, that's the true fact. I never partake in a in an audience clap. Do you? I will not be a part right. of that train wreck. You sit ever. there with a pout. <laughs> I sit there on my hands fuming. Yeah. <laughs> you never, ever. You no, wouldn't stand up for hands in the air, wave a lighter. 
I do. I mean, I stand up and I totally hands in the air like you just don't care. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I um, I'll stand up and I'll chant and I'll be super excited about it. But I try not to clap. Well, if I do clap, put it this way: if I clap, mm. I clap in time and I to the beat, and I yeah. then glare at everybody around me for being yeah. so poorly timed. <laughs> but rhythm isn't everybody's friend. No, it's true. And I imagine like if it's like a U two concert or something like that, like your fold back as the performer would be so loud you can't hear the performer anyway but for, Bar- for poor so. Bardo they're <laughs> they're face to face with the screaming 3,000 screaming children <laughs> or something yeah yeah so and then randomly the episode just kind of doesn't really go anywhere and <laughs> so sudden- weird yeah suddenly they cut across to live to the studios Warner or to Warner Records sorry to the offices and the big news of how the single Poison has performed yeah well it's it's weird because um, it cuts all of a sudden out of nowhere and then you're like, and then you hear Jackie O speaking, you see Jackie O on the camera and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot Jackie O was in this show. Yeah. I mean, She's she must been have been gone. thrilled she got called back in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and they're like, oh, the news, we're here to talk about Bardo's po- debut single Poison's performance for the week. Yeah. And? <laughs> and it's really strange because, you know, Chris Moss is sitting down in this chair with all the girls around him yeah. and he says, oh, there's been some stiff competition, you know, NSYNC, yeah. Destiny's Child. There's a new act out of Perth called Lone Star. Do you know who they are? Not a fucking clue. No, couldn't remember them. Chris Franklin, not a fucking clue. Oh, I know who Chris Franklin is. Who the fuck's Chris Franklin? Do you remember Chris Franklin? He won the Comedy Festival Awards or something and then he came out with I'm a bloke, I'm a yobbo. I'm oh, a as bloke, in Meryl, Meryl Bainbridge's bitch, but read And my best friend's name is Robbo. Is it Meryl uh, Bainbridge's bitch? Yes, I don't remember. It was, yeah. it was, no, Meredith Brooks. Sorry, Meredith Brooks's <laughs> right. bitch uh, redone yeah. as a yobbo. Okay, well, hideous. Yeah, so, yeah. basically, that's they're up against. Yeah. And then it's really weird because he's like, oh, you know, we're over-indexing really well. We're performing well in New South Wales and Victoria and Queensland. And he, it's sort of this weird thing. He keeps looking at this bit of paper and he goes, you know, we are on, we are set for a top 10 debut, which by the way is not huge. No. A top 10. I mean, it's very successful yeah, through pop It's better than fine. I've done. Yeah. Better, definitely better <laughs> than I've done, but it's not exactly what you would expect this announcement to be because <laughs> you've been watching this show now for 11 episodes yeah. and you've been, you know, you've probably placed your pre-order. I think and I said it. And they've cut live to it as well to like build up to the tell excitement. You this announcement. Yeah. And then he's like, we will at least have a top 10 debut. It's so weird. Yeah. And then he goes, I predict, and I might have to eat my words, I predict it'll be the number one song in the country by this time next week. Yeah. So please watch our website for the yeah. next 24 hours to see. It's the biggest anticlimax I've ever seen in my life, I think. It so. is. It's so bad. <laughs> it's like it's it's just so, you know, such a letdown. And also, like, here's the thing. It's a Sunday night, right? Mm. So when was the song released? May I don't know what point this was. Like, was the song released for a week already or was the song released for a day and then... You know, yeah. he was going to have a week of tracking. I reckon but, it must have already been on Rage the morning before or something like that. You know, you know, with like <laughs> music though. Yeah, they know what's going to be a number one. They know if what you know they they put a certain amount of money into stuff and they you know buy the records and stuff. Yeah, um, it's like they know what's going to be a number one. He knew it was going to be a number one. It was going to be a number one. It could not be a number one. You've just got to wait for the data to come in from all the you know record stores across the country and the radio stations and stuff like that. So they were all probably this. sitting there going, "Oh God, bloody you know HOFM in Hobart hasn't sent us their ratings yet." <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you're Nielsen. probably right. Yeah. <laughs> 
But it's a bit of an anticlimax and kind yeah, of a bit of a theater, I feel like really. the whole series was potentially they could have built it up for this moment and, you know, nothing nothing really comes of it. Watch the website for 24 hours. Great. <laughs> I forgot what I've written here because it was so many days ago. Anyway, <clears throat> we've both worked uh, in radio a little bit in different capacities at some point. Um, and I guess, did you sort of have a regular show in Melbourne for a bit? Or I did on a it? community radio station. I had a regular show when I yeah. was, um, oh, I don't know, I probably was 19, Yeah. 20. And how did you find, like, preparing for the show, I guess, you know, you've promised there's going to be a show on a Saturday or a Sunday. How did you find working out what the content was going to be for it? I think, well, look, you know, in my limited experience it was community radio so it was pretty up to yeah. you really what you did did you sit there and go how am i going to fill an hour mine was a very specific topic so mine was about young lgbtiq people right yeah yeah Bef- before well actually i think it was probably before the q the plus the a and everything was added actually yeah um and so it was very specifically geared in that way so it was kind of there was a lot of topical information to kind of do every week yeah, every right. episode. So it wasn't like um, too hard really to sort of fill the time for me, but I imagine it would be potentially for other people. But then if you work in professional radio, usually there's producers and there's a whole bunch of people that support your program, right? Yeah, yeah. I just got the feeling a bit with this episode that they they'd like promised to put an episode out and didn't didn't really have that much to go with. So it just it felt like a bit of a mishmash and like, okay, we've got to fill this episode with stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think you mean because of the reveal at the end? Well, just the whole thing. I feel, you know, I remember, I don't know if you've seen Twin Peaks. Have we talked about this before? Um, we haven't, no. And I have seen bits of it. You have seen it. So it was this whole mystery, like the very first series, this whole mystery, who killed Laura Palmer, who killed so Laura Palmer. So that's the only series I've seen, yeah. Yeah. And it was so, it was such a big thing at the time, like, People just really, really wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer. That the producers forced, um, what's his name, David, David Lynch. David Lynch. They um, forced David Lynch to conclude it before the series was up. So you get to about ep- episode seventeen, and they reveal who has killed Laura Palmer in that episode, and then he's still con- contracted for another how many episodes? And I remember, um, yeah, this interview with David Lynch, and he was saying. It's like they killed the goose that was laying the golden eggs for that series. Like we could have kept that going for ages and ages and ages, but we revealed who killed Laura Palmer way too early and then I just had to suddenly fill in the rest of the episodes with, you know, a whole new storyline and the audience started to lose interest. And <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And I can't really remember at the time if we were feeling the same way about Bardo as well, like by well, this point. I, th- I don't think we were and that's yeah. because... Because remember, in real life, in our real lives, the CD was about to come out. Right, yeah. So okay. I think the difference is by this point it's become not just a television show where we're watching and committed to every week, we're actually also living it because we're seeing posters around, we're seeing you know radio ads, hearing radio ads, seeing the video clip on Rage um, or Channel V if you had Channel V at the time. Um, you know, and you, so I think it was sort of still at the time, at this point of the series, a frenzy. It was still a, a, a frenzy and a, and a bit of a, what's the word, like a, a movement, a Bardo movement, I right, guess, yeah, a yeah. pop stars movement, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, by this point, um, clearly the formula had worked for a reality show. Mm. It had yet to be proven as having worked to launch a record. 
Yeah. It's about to be proven, I presume, in the next episode we're about to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I wonder too, there's something about it still being present today, I think, that it's funny that it's stuck in people's heads for so long, I think. Like, you know, we watched a bit of a um, Cabell I think we've talked about Cabell in our last we did <laughs> last Talk about Cabell, yeah. And since we've seen a little clip from a morning show or something like that, and they play you know a few seconds of the um, of the clip, and you know Bardo, they released a few Bardo singles on vinyl last year, maybe. And um, Belinda makes the point that you know there, there's still a lot of fans out there, people who are still into Bardo. It's got there's got to be something there that you know they've sort of inceptioned it into people's minds. So even if the next couple of years we're a bit of a flop for the band. They've stuck in our heads like 20 years later, you know. <laughs> Do you know what? I 100 million percent agree with you and I actually think um, I could be wrong here and people might be sitting at home cringing at this thought. If they did like a they, – they could do a reality series today, schmickly produced with those five women coming back together to record a reunion album. Yeah. And I reckon it would be the number one show in the country. Right, yeah. Because it would – I think – you know, people our age that were teenagers at the time watching it, you know, children and teenagers. I think early on in this series they talk about the band being geared toward 12-year-old girls. Oh, right. Or something like that, being geared toward young girls. But it wasn't – the show was just so captivating. Parents were made to watch it and then parents became addicted. It was a show everybody was talking about. You couldn't avoid it. You know, you saw some of the people in the in the mall, you know, talking about who their favourite characters were in a Vox Pop section and yeah. they were not people you would think would be watching the show necessarily. Yeah. So it really was something – it was a bit like the race that stopped the nation. It was kind of like the reality show that stopped the nation for the period in which it aired. So I think there is great affection, great, great affection for – Bardo, those five girls, um, and I actually think a lot of affection for Jackie O comes from that as well. I yeah, think, yeah. you you know, if you think of Jackie O, a lot of people, if you were to ask them what is Jackie O from, if they were around at that time, they would say one of the things that she's known for is pop stars, even though yeah. she's done so much other work and she's fabulous. But There was that Angels show, what was it, <laughs> with Ian oh, Thorpe? Um, Thorpe's Angels or whatever Angels, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which Undercover was Angels, Under- Undercover Angels. It, yeah. Something like that. With, I'd with love Katie to watch Underwood. that. We'll, we'll <laughs> see if we can to watch find that it. Again. But um, it definitely, I think, there's so much affection and love for the girls of Bardo that I think if they were to do it again today, it would make a great show. Can you imagine seeing them all sing, seeing them all like have to do some reconditioning for their voices and some different vocal coaching and, you know, what's required today of musicians and acts is so different to what it was then. I yeah. actually think there's great affections in the public and the pop culture zeitgeist of Australians for these people. Okay, well, that was episode 11 of Popstars Australia. Two more to go, I think, of the official Popstars Australia series and then uh, a few more little exciting surprises after that. We've got an Instagram. Send us a DM, like and follow along for a rollicking good time. The best good time you can have online. By the way, that's the first read I've done and how fucking schmick was it? That was good. Yeah, you almost sounded like a professional voiceover actress. <laughs> almost. <Yeah. laughs> follow the link. Oh, this is you. I'll do it anyway. Follow yeah. the link in our description to our ACAR support page. Why should listeners send us money, Alex? Tell us. Because, you know, we've both got jobs and they're quite hard and it would be great if we didn't have to work so hard in our spare time, don't you? think it would be so great and and, you know you and i we're doing the best we can to sort of manage this 
passion project amongst real life, which yeah. is a challenge. But we're doing it and we're enjoying it. And I think that's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one day it'd be great to do it in the same room together at some point. It? And oh. imagine if there was also a little crowd there. To cheer us Imagine on. if we did it live at, like, yeah. say, the Melbourne Comedy Festival or something. Exactly. <gasps> Imagine if we could do. We do a, a little Fruity viewing. Alexia. Yeah, Freddie Alexia. Yeah, and we yeah. do a bit of a. <gasps> what if we could bring bring some of the girls onto it and talk <gasps> to them? That would be great. For I them mean, to do a can little you performance. Imagine? Oh, that would be what good. What a moment. Yeah. So, anyway, without support on our ACAR support page, none of this will come true. <laughs> and you'll be upsetting your two favourite podcast hosts. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How do you think it, it would go in front of a live audience? Do you think, uh, are, you, are you game fit? Are you match fit? Can, are you ready to jump out there in front of people and I'm fine entertain them? Oh, I'm fine to do that. I yeah. would need to reverse the ageing process by about 25 years and lose about 25 <laughs> kilos before. But yeah. other than that, I think I'm ready to go. Right, as long yeah. as nobody shouts at me from the audience, um, talk to me about your boob job and talk to me about your periods. I think well, I'll be fine. You can't say that because now that'll if we do have a live audience and they've listened to this, that'll be the first thing they yell out. So you've well, now primed them. <laughs> now we'll see if people really pay attention. Yeah, it's going to be a hashtag. <laughs> talk to me, tell stuff. me about your boob job. Tell me about your periods. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we better get in quick and make the t-shirt before anyone else can. Already on it. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, that's probably enough for this week i think and then we can uh, you know get on to doing the next exciting episode of fruity Lights. can't wait Woo. okay hope everyone's as excited as i am bye everybody i just made that really awkward for you on purpose but you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> no one's excited as excited as you but go, yeah go exactly you. yeah i just you know if you leave a gap then i try and fill the silence and it's, <laughs> it's always with something i haven't thought through saying so <laughs> So you're welcome to deploy that whenever if you want to embarrass me. That's fine. <laughs> I can't do the technical stuff, so I can't deploy it, but I'll just I'll live on it in my memory. <laughs> All right. Bye, right bro. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Lots of excited. There you go. There's your blooper for next week. Blue, blue, blue. Hang on a minute. Let me just. I'll, I'll mark that time. Graham. Regroup myself. Yeah. <laughs> what did you just say? I can't even remember. Sorry. Just it's all right. Just read the. You can read the script. <laughs> I don't ever. If I okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.